Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. Hey guys, this is Ruben from Dub's podcast, Connection Loop, and I am here with Jeremy Slate. Jeremy Slate is a pro. He's done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of podcasts. He's going to get into the whole process. We're going to talk about branding, public relations, you know, how to lift, how to lift your brand and business, including sales and revenue, uh, through podcasting and the whole entire medium. So, Jeremy, please give me a short bio on yourself, and let's get into this topic. Yeah, absolutely. So I am a host of a podcast called Create Your Own Life, where we've interviewed almost 800 incredible people, including the former director of the CIA, uh, some rock and roll Hall of Famers, and just some incredible people. I also run a company called Command Your Brand, where we help people to appear as guests on top-rated podcasts, but we really do that with a PR strategy. Um, In addition to that, um, I'm a a father of a two-year-old and uh, also uh, two dogs and a miniature pig. A miniature pig. Okay. Got it. And what was your sort of segue into the podcasting world? Where did you, where did you come from before that? So, um, I have my, uh, undergraduate degree in, uh, Catholic theology, my master's in, uh, early Roman empire propaganda, not a very applicable skill in the world of like getting a job or anything like that. Um, I taught high school for a couple of years and then in 2012, my mom ended up having a really bad stroke. And it made me kind of question a lot of different things I was doing. So I had this idea I wanted to go into business, but I didn't really know what that looked like. So I started in network marketing, failed horribly at that, alienated a bunch of people I know, um, sold life insurance for a bit, was actually really darn good at it and good at the sales aspect of it. But it just got kind of morbid after a while. So you're going to die. You should probably buy this because you love your family, blah, blah, blah. And I went from there to actually private labeling and selling products on Amazon, which um, I totally screwed up day one as I left the, you can get my product for $1 promo code on my listing, lost everything in about 20 minutes. And that was kind of the end of my entrepreneurship journey. So I actually taught myself how to build websites from watching YouTube videos and reading blog posts, like writing HTML and CSS and stuff. So I started working at a friend's uh, web design firm and started a podcast kind of as a hobby because I'd been listening to, uh, this one podcast since like 2007 or eight called the no agenda show. They basically make fun of the news. It's hilarious. And I had always wanted to start a podcast. I just had never really like jumped in and done it. And, uh, I started it in 2014. It was called rock your life. It was horrible. I quit in about two months and, uh, about mid 2015, I started create your own life and, you know, it took off. We had 10,000 listens in our first 30 days and it kind of led to me building the company and everything else I'm doing. Amazing, man. That is a that is a remarkable journey. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's yeah. always inter- it's yeah, it's always interesting for me to hear about specifically the failures that you know we have endured and that we've gone through, and that ultimately uh, they didn't happen to us; they happened for us because it opened sure. doors to where we are now. So, <laughs> um, cautious opt- hashtag cautious optimism. Uh, yes. <laughs> so let let's get into this idea of of starting a podcast from scratch. Yeah, and then. Building it up, getting Mm -hmm. attendees, getting guests, and then marketing that podcast. Mm -hmm. And then most importantly, doing it in a way where we can continue to keep the lights on 
and, and in fact, actually grow our brand with yeah. sales. Uh, that's the hardest part, I think. So map, map that out for us. If you yeah. So I think the, the first thing I kind of want to handle is kind of this false idea a lot of people have. Like they see like what Joe Rogan's doing. They're seeing what like a lot of people are doing out there in the podcast space. And they think like it's all about, you know, building a show, getting advertising, doing all this stuff. And I think that's really like a false idea. Like the, the thing I try to teach people, the big thing you should be paying attention to um, is this should be something that promotes something else you're doing. So um, if you have um, some sort of a project you're working on, a podcast to promote it might be a great idea. If you have a business, you're looking to get the right positioning on it, maybe a really uh, great idea in there. Um, the way I started out, man, I started out with no social media following. I started out with uh, no nothing and um, you know, not even really being known. So I honestly started out by emailing everyone I knew, like personally, um, before I knew automation was a thing, I was sending out thousands of individual LinkedIn messages and, um, you know, hundreds of Facebook messages to the point that they actually like blocked my Facebook account. And that was really to just because I knew like the key thing to do the podcast right the first time. Cause as I said, my first version was just horrible. It was bad. Like the mic quality wasn't very good. The content wasn't very good. So I knew that the thing I really needed to drive was the number of subscribes because I know that's the thing that ranks a show. And reviews are good for social proof, but they don't really drive ranking, but they're still important because that's what's going to help you win the subscribe. So I was trying to get as many people as I could on board, you know, day one to subscribe and review to the, sh the show. And we got 67 or 68 reviews in our first week of the show. And uh, we had enough uh, subscribers to basically hit iTunes new and noteworthy. This was back in 2015. Then they locked that for about two years, which is now open again. And that helped us to get a lot of early traffic and a lot of early being noticed. Um, but then another like really, really important component people forget is like you mentioned getting guests, like the people you're talking to are really vital. And I it's just really, really important to pay attention to. And I find a lot of times people talk themselves out of like getting cool guests because they're like, oh, you know, I'm not kind of there yet. I'm not willing. You know, I'm not in the right spot. My show isn't big enough yet, whatever it may be. And I'll be honest with you, like the first person I reached out to for my podcast was Seth Godin because I had a lot of, um, you know, affinity for what he was doing, a lot of respect for Seth. And he was super cool about it. He goes, hey, man, like you're just starting out. So this may not be the best investment of my time right now. But when you get to 400 episodes, let me know. So when I got into the 390s, I sent Seth an email and he was episode 400 of the show. But that follow up is really important. Shooting big right off the bat is really important. So I put together a Google Doc of the 100 people I most admired and wanted to talk to. And then every 30 to 60 days for the last five years, you know, I followed up with a monthly and it's, it's taken a lot of time, man. But like that guest quality is vital because it's going to help you really talk to the right people and really have conversations that matter. And the and reason so that you, sorry yeah. to interrupt, but do you, no do you sort of balance between kind of some smaller creators, people within your network, people that you connect to on LinkedIn mm -hmm. And then some of the larger names, or do you kind of really just focus on the larger names? What's your play on that? So it, it has been a balance, and I, I'd say it's probably like 90-10 of really trying to get bigger names versus you know people I know and 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 kind of deal with one on one. Because at the same time, I'm trying to make sure like I'm respecting the reason that my audience is coming to me. So I am very particular on, you know, even if it isn't somebody as well known, like how can their story help my audience? That's like really really important to be thinking of. But I'm always trying to shoot big, man, because I want to have really cool people that my audience are going to learn from. And um, because they're, they're looking for, for world class leaders in the show is really why they come to me. And, you know, as it's grown, we've kind of started to use the word extraordinary to describe the people we're talking. So, like, I have to really 
bring on people that embody that. And then just because they're not the the mo big have the biggest social media following or the most well known, it doesn't mean they don't embody that. So it's really all about finding people that embody that. Yeah, I, I think um, you know by now being on both sides of the podcast world, mm -hmm. being a guest and then also hosting one, you know, I've sort of realized that for me, I think the most important thing is is this idea of someone who has the ability to be vulnerable and, and share their yeah. story. You know, it was so important for me to hear your story with your failures and what you went through. And, and that really <laughs> allows me to feel empathy and be like, you know what, this guy's been through it. He's been on the front lines and he's paid his dues. And now Jeremy is someone that I could really kind of learn something from. And I try to do the same thing. I try to bring it. I try to share my stories. We have an insane growth story when it comes to dub like we mm -hmm. we have we have been on this growth trajectory that's just been out of this world and we're so psyched for that uh, but at the same time not everyone knows the origin story and the, and the right. early story behind dub so sometimes i share that well the, the the stories are really vital man because it's it's what really connects with somebody on a human level right it's like what really helps them to understand like who you are and where you've been and, and you know where you're coming from like um i just did an interview a few hours ago i i you know, he's retired now, but I got to interview uh, one of my favorite baseball players, a guy named Nick Swisher. He used to play for the Yankees. And uh, he's telling me this story about like, you know, when he came right out of high school and he went into the Major League Baseball draft and he didn't get drafted. So he went to college, ended up going to Ohio State and then became a first round draft pick after that. But like people really need to connect with you on that level because number one, it humanizes you. People see like, hey, you know, the world is not perfect. And number two, like, they can actually receive what you have to tell them then because they can receive it in the form of a story um, rather than, you know, you just putting all these facts and figures and stuff like that on them. It's, it's the most human thing is, um, you know, telling a story. It's like, why has, why have stories like the Odyssey been passed on forever? Because they first started as verbal stories that were told for years and years and years. And it's the most human thing about us when you can really tell a great story. Yeah, storytelling is everything, man. I think about this constantly, this idea of a story uh, in, a, in a time period that's as short as 15 seconds. Some people yeah. think it's not possible, but an arc happens really quick. It's maybe what's the problem and what's the solution? Right. <laughs> or I'm bored and now I'm entertained. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you, right. you want you want to have people go on that journey with you, right? Like it's it's and, and that's the cool thing about like, you know, being either a guest on the podcast or whatever is you're actually taking people on your journey of transformation. And you're creating a high level of trust. And and that's what's really cool with sitting down with somebody for 30, 40 minutes, whatever, maybe maybe in a podcast versus, you know, like doing a radio spot or a TV spot or whatever. Like it's don't get me wrong. It's definitely powerful to have that TV spot and have that imagery and things. But a lot of them, if you're getting six minutes, man, that's a lot of time. And you just can't connect with people on a human level like you can on a long-form interview. Mm, yeah. Now, speaking of long-form interviews, what is your, what's your kind of process, your play to take something that's long-form in nature? Not everyone, mm -hmm. obviously, can listen or watch a 30, 60-minute video. Sure. Sometimes two-hour <laughs> podcast. Now, what do you do with your, your content once you record mm -hmm. it? Do you cut it? Do you parse it? Do you repurpose it? What's your play on that? So, um, so one of the things I do, and that's actually really important in my process, and I find a lot of people actually get hung up on this, is actually the production process itself. So I have a running spreadsheet, which is going to have um, the title and anything else that's needed for my production team. And then we have a Dropbox folder that once a week, all of the podcast files, the intro for each episode, the outro for each episode all gets dumped in. So that's all done for me and cut up and edited and whatever it may be. Um, from that, one of the things they're doing is they're pulling... Um, super powerful quotes, like things somebody says in that episode and they're making either like a, 
like a headliner video. Are you familiar with those? The headliner videos? Yeah. With like the captions in front. So that's one of the things we, we'll do. We are all about those. Okay, cool. There, it's, it's really cool and it adds that visual element. And another thing we started doing a lot recently is um, I've tried to do a lot more video because I'm just finding that that side by side with you and whoever you're talking to is just really powerful stuff. So we've also been uh, recording either like on Zoom or on uh, like like we are on StreamYard and taking that side by side and then putting that into headliner and putting the transcript and stuff on top of it and trying to make more of like a viral style video because you can do um it's called the video with captions version that you can do and you can put like a like a watermark or something over top of it so you can add some of the more viral type stuff to it so that's another thing we've been doing um it's been working really well um we've, we're pretty content heavy on linkedin that's kind of like our, our biggest place where we're seeing a lot of action right now um so we focus really on telling like a long form story because when you do a, a, a LinkedIn post where you get 1300 characters and then everything turns red and you got to get rid of some characters. So you get back down to 1300. So I find that those first three lines are like super important, right? Because then there's a button that says see more and that's where you're going to see the rest of the post. So you want to have something really shocking or interesting or tension grabbing in those first three lines. Like the best one I ever did for this. And it was one of my best posts is I interviewed somebody that was an Olympic gold medalist. So um, I the, fir the first three lines, it was like, you know, X number of people will ever be in the Olympics. And it was like some minuscule amount. X number of people will ever win a medal. You know, X number of people will ever win a gold medal. So then people are like, whoa, okay, I'm really interested in this. I want to read the rest of the post. So you really want to grab somebody's attention early on. And I'm honestly finding, I don't, I don't know if you've seen this. I know you're pretty active on LinkedIn. But I, I've seen that video hasn't been doing as well on LinkedIn as it was before. Um, so we've been focusing on a lot of like just... Uh, long form plain text posts at the moment, um, though we have been kind of adding some video and stuff in there. So that's one of the really big things we've been doing. Um, Instagram, we focus hard on stories, especially for episodes, um, because we do have the, you know, where we have 10, more than 10,000 followers. So you have the swipe up option, which is really nice. You can send people directly to, uh, we use a smart link. Uh, there's a company called Chartable out there and you can create what are called smart links and you click on it and it opens on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on on your phone. So you're kind of cutting out that place where somebody wouldn't be able to listen to you. So uh, we're really focusing hard on, you know, getting cool clips up there, video up there and getting people right into um, a smart link via um, our Instagram stories. Right. So so what you're talking about is really just driving traffic, driving yeah. listeners mm -hmm. through social, which I think, frankly, is the hardest part because it is absolutely a lot, a lot of folks. Think people want to interact, but they don't want to click that link, man. Yeah, man. That's and that's I think that's really important that you clarify that. You know, mm -hmm. one of the things that, that I'm kind of intrigued with your story is that you sort of covered this deep spectrum of, you know, going from one of the, the most aggressive types of marketing, which is network marketing, yeah. and now to the other side of the spectrum, which is, you know, content marketing. It's mm -hmm. classic inbound marketing, creating yeah. content to get people to come to you. And what I find intriguing about this is that you have, I think, found your balance on where you can be a creator. But at the same time, just have smart, simple methods to get people to click on the right link yeah. and, and, a, and a format, a medium that's that's suitable for them. If people are not watching videos on LinkedIn, then give give text copy. So that that's experience. And that's mm -hmm. just through a whole lot of failure. Well, I've, I've been on both sides of it, though, right? Because I've been on the other side where it's like, you know, you got people shutting the door in your face and it's like, leave me alone and please stop this. You kind of learn like, number one, what makes you feel a little bit sleazy doing it? Number two, like, what do people not like? And at the same time, you start to also, by trial and error, like learn the rules of the platforms as well, right? Like we were talking about like 
Um, we want people to go to links and drive traffic, but one of the problems, especially with LinkedIn and Facebook and stuff like that, if you have a link right in the post, they're already going to downrank your post. So one of the th one of the things that we do is we do the the uh, link in the first comment thing, where the you tell the whole story at the end. You said, "Hey, if you'd like to get this full episode, the link is in the first comment," because you want to make it so at least you can rank that post in the platform. So it's it's kind of balancing out like that what's not too much in your face, what's interesting enough, but also understanding what the rules of the platform is and trying to really make native type content for that platform too. Mm. Nice, man. Uh, so a little pivot here. Question for you is, how is it appropriate? When is it appropriate? What is the best practice to actually ask podcasters if you can be a guest on their show? Because mm -hmm. I know that as I understand it, what your firm does is your firm connects potential guests to prominent podcasts that already exist. So what is what is that process? What's the ask like? So it, it depends because it's different when you're doing it for yourself when versus when you're like doing it for somebody. Do you know what I mean? Like when you're doing it for yourself, it's more of a like a one-to-one -one approach. You may do like a swap or something like that. Um, I'm not as big on swaps as I used to be just because like, like I said, I'm gotten particular about like you want the content to match and stuff like that. And it just, it just doesn't always do that no matter how hard you try. Um, but it is different when it's one-to-one -one versus having somebody do it. So like as an agency, when we do it, um, we're really looking at, you know, getting down your core message first, because I find a lot of people are just like, all right, I'm cool. I should be on a podcast. And it's like, well, that's great, man. But like what, what kind of value to have to offer? So you really want to get that value proposition down first. And one of the processes we take people through is something called story message call to action. Cause we talked before about like, how a story is just so vitally important to connect. So you tie your personal story to your three to five key teachable points to where you want people to go at the end. And this is really, really vital to get down because it kind of works like a funnel, right? Like it grabs the attention. You then have permission to teach and you want to tell people everything that you can tell them in that time. Like, because one of the things people hate the most and it breaks that trust is when you try to send people someplace and it's not time. Well, in, in my book I mentioned, or in this YouTube video I mentioned, or on this page of my website I mentioned, like, it's people are listening to you to like get that data. So you want to make it something that's really going to connect. And at the end of the episode, the host is going to say, Hey, this was so great. You know, where could people find you? You know, they could find me on blah, 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 blah. And I have this free offer for them or whatever it may be. Like that's when it's the right place for your call to action. You know, the host is really going to set you up for that. And most hosts do it that way. So once you really have that part down, um, you really want to start looking at, it depends also where you're on your podcast journey. If you haven't been on a ton of podcasts, you're going to want to start with shows that have less than 20 episodes and less than 20 reviews, usually because they're just going to be a little bit more content hungry. You know, they're, they're brand new at this. They need guests. They need uh, the right episode content and they're kind of getting their chops ready as you're getting your chops ready. So you guys are kind of learning together. So that's going to be where you're going to start. If you're newer, if you're a little bit more established, you can start and established meaning you have more media credibility. Like you have some, some uh, articles you've been in, you have some podcasts you've been in. If you don't, even if your company's doing very well, you're probably gonna have to start with some smaller media because you're just not known yet. And that's fine. You just have to start there. So it's kind of like a, a stair approach. You start with smaller shows to more mid tier shows, which is meaning 50 or more episodes and you know, 50 to hundred reviews or something like that. And you can kind of just climb the stairs as you're going up. And the way you want to approach this is we talked about story message call to action is you want to start with, you know, what is the, um, you know, perfect message for this audience? Because every show is going to have a very different audience. And, you know, the first major mistake, which I'm sure your audience wouldn't make, but a lot of people do make is like addressing somebody with the wrong name and the wrong show name, like, oof, right off the bat, it's just a bad thing to do. <laughs> like, like people will call me my middle name. And it's like, huh, how did you even know that? Um, so it's like, 
it, it, it's one of those things that right away is going to create a no or create a stop. So you want to address it. What's particular to that show? Like what in your story then gives you permission to be able to teach that audience? What can the audience walk away with? And don't worry about a call to action because, you know, everybody knows you have one. And I always like to close it with a soft close, which is, hey, if you think this would be a great fit, please let me know. Uh, I'm more than happy to come on and, and help your audience. If this isn't a fit, totally cool. No pressure. Um, you know, like we can always like come back around to this in the future or something like that. You always want to do a soft close on something like that because it doesn't really um, like slam the door. But it also at the same time, it doesn't tell the host like, well, I'm the best and you need to have me because at the same time it creates resistance. So that's really the approach you want to do on that. And I also, another one of those things, we keep running spreadsheets, man. When was the last date this person was contacted? What was the last date, you know, uh, that what was the last thing that was said? Did they give a follow-up date? Stuff like that. It's just running a long process, man. And just trying to, you know, get yourself booked in that way. Amazing, man. That's, that's really good information. Uh, it's so interesting how the worlds of public relations and podcasts have now combined and merged mm -hmm. into one. And a lot of people, when they think of PR, they think of traditional things like press releases and, you know, pitching journalists. Mm -hmm. But I think, in fact, what you're on is is the future. Yeah. So I'm here to say it right now. <laughs> folks need to connect with you and check out your website and, uh, you know, get get in your mix, man. What what kind of uh, sort of offers or what, what I think this is kind of a good opt to. Yeah. Have you present anything that's valuable to folks? Do you have any offers? Yeah. So um, really, we just work with people as an agency, um, meaning that we uh, work with people from six uh, from anywhere from six months to a year. And we're going to get all that stuff together for you, put together a media kit, get you on the right shows, find out what your audience matters for. So really, that's what working with us um, looks like. Um, we do have some special offers right now, which we don't typically do um, because uh, we're doing a crowdfunding campaign for uh, my book, Extraordinary, which is based on. Um, all the extraordinary people I've learned from in my podcast, where basically uh, we're doing a um, entrepreneur accelerator package, which is going to get somebody on three podcasts, put together a media kit, um, put together a targeting list and put together a media page in their site. So really going to set somebody up to be in the right way to start seeing some early success. Um, so if they're looking for some things like that, um, any support for extraordinary and everything around that would be great. And that's at jeremyryanslate.com slash extraordinary. Uh, very cool, man. And then that the crowdfunding, the link to the crowdfunding campaign. I'd love to get that. If you have some time, just shoot that over to me. We'll put it in the show notes. Absolutely. So what platform are you using for that? Uh, so we're using something called Publishizer. It is really, really cool because what it uh, I've already signed with a publisher beforehand. Um, and then we're just kind of using it as creating the kind of early funds to do everything. So you keep all the rights to your work and stuff like that. Um, but what well, the way this platform works is it creates pre-sales for books, which you know, those are count as day one sales, which are really important for making a bestseller list. Um, and at the same time, you can actually use it to shop yourself to publishers if you're looking to kind of get your book idea popped, uh, picked up as well. So it's a really, really cool platform. Cool. So your book is going to be called Extraordinary. And yes. when can we expect that? Do you have a date? Uh, we're looking we're looking at May of next year. Um, right now, we're like I said, we're really just doing kind of uh, we've got about half of the book written. We're working really on the crowdfunding campaign to kind of get the uh, um, like early stuff to fund it going. And then we're, we're really excited about, you know, the middle of next year. Okay. Very cool. And you know, I have, I have some ideas on how potentially we can help as, as a community, as a technology. Dub. Cool. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of pitch you on some stuff as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool, man. So, uh, this was amazing, man. I, I really appreciate the time, man. Um, uh, give me your website address again and give me yeah. your, your LinkedIn and mm -hmm. let's drop it. Absolutely. Um, so our website is commandyourbrand.com. And uh, over on LinkedIn, I am uh, just Jeremy Ryan Slate. So just search me over there and you'll find me. 
Very cool, man. All right, we got the URL in there. Jeremy, thank you so much for your time, man. Really appreciate it. Absolutely, brother. Thank you so much for having me, man. I've really been looking forward to this. Yeah, man, stick around.